Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our weekend and Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, and I go through the Browns roster and discuss each position coming out of minicamp where it stands and some questions at each position uh, as the Browns barrel towards training camp a little over a month away. It opens on July 27th, which is why you got to start thinking about becoming a football insider subscriber now. You get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. You get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. And you can become one of our text subscribers. So go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Okay, here we go. Here's our latest edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our weekend Monday podcast here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. We're going to go through the Browns roster. This is inspired by Scott who uh, put together a post that's on cleveland.com slash Browns looking at the state of the Browns roster following the conclusion of minicamp and the offseason program. And we're going to start at the quarterback position, which seems pretty straightforward. Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett, Joshua Dobbs. Of course, Scott, in parentheses, you put Baker Mayfield. He is still (laughs) a Cleveland Brown, as we're recording this at least. Um, I had a question about this, though, and this sort of goes into what we've been hearing from the NFLPA recently. And Mary Kay, you put a story up that's also at Cleveland.com slash Browns about uh, it sure sounds like the NFLPA is anticipating a lengthy suspension for Deshaun Watson. So the question I had was, do the Browns need to sign another quarterback? Like once this suspension comes down, if it is significant, they're going to have to add somebody, won't they? Yeah, it it will be interesting to see what their strategy is in the event that in the final analysis, not the initial punishment, because that could, you know, get knocked back to, you know, whatever on appeal. Uh, But once they figure out exactly what it is, they might have to pivot and figure something else out. Now, does that mean that they would do it for uh, the number one quarterback or do they still feel good about Jacoby Brissett? taking them through the whole entire season, if that's what it's going to be. But certainly um, they, they will either have to just keep Baker on the roster for emergency depth, or they would have to acquire another quarterback in, in some way, shape or form. They would probably have to get someone else in here. Yeah, Scott. I mean, it's, it's not so much, I, you know, it feels like Jacoby is here to start some football games. Um, I mean, they, They've, they've been anticipating a suspension, maybe not as lengthy as it might be, but they've been anticipating one. I'm just worried about what's behind Jacoby Brissett. I mean, there's there's nothing in Joshua Dobbs's resume that says he could start 
seven or eight games if Jacoby got hurt. Right. But I mean, I guess when you get down to your third string quarterback, you're not thinking about <laughs> him playing at all. So, Fair. but this year, you know, obviously this situation is a little different. Um, you know, I saw somebody floating one idea that that's out there that would make kind of sense from a fit perspective and maybe it would make sense for a team that's willing to take on some controversial situations, but Kyle Kaepernick's still out there. He worked out for the Raiders this summer. Apparently uh, that went well. Obviously he hasn't been signed or anything, but I think about Colin Kaepernick as the guy who comes in, who's there with Dobbs as the emergency, the extra emergency guy. Um, obviously he started, he's got experience. Um, that would be an interesting situation, but I, they're, they're going to go into the season there. I mean, practice squads have been expanded, so they're going to have somebody on the practice squad at the very least. You know, but I'm sure that these are contingency plans that they've thought about already. And uh, they're just, you know, waiting for when they have to make that kind of decision. Colin Kaepernick's interesting, Mary Kay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. I mean, it's something, you know, it's something to think about. I mean, I I lament the fact that that nobody has signed him all of these years. I mean, certainly with all the quarterbacks that have been signed. Uh, you know, he, you would think that he would have gotten a chance by now. Uh, and some of the Browns players, I think Jarvis was one of them or former Browns players participated in, you know, a workout with him to, to kind of help him along a little bit. Uh, it would be intriguing. I mean, you know, they are sort of looking for dual threat quarterbacks and to, and to stay with that theme. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's something, you know, it, it raises the possibility of, you know, why not at least give it a look? He wouldn't be expected to be the starter. He wouldn't even be expected to be the backup, but he'd be, you know, he'd be competing for something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd be he'd be an interesting emergency option. Maybe it buys you a little goodwill with for, for an organization that could certainly use some of that. Um, yeah, that, that, so that's 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 an interesting name to we'll we'll talk about that name, I think, sometime but after. To be clear though, weekend. this is Ohio and there would be a lot that's... of people upset with that. <laughs> uh and would probably lob you know lump that in with the signing of Deshaun Watson and it would just create a whole you know upsetting situation but uh but it makes a lot of sense from a football standpoint okay so let's move on to the running back position again a pretty stable position so here's who Scott has uh on this list Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt D Ernest Johnson Jerome Ford and John Kelly I feel like I want to make the case for D Ernest Johnson here I, I noticed the omission of Dimitri Felton on yes, this list. Well, yes. we'll save that. But uh, I'm ready to make the case for Dearness Johnson. You know, I, I know it's going to be hard to get him on the roster, but I feel like he's kind of earned some benefit of the doubt here. Like last year was sort of a, hey, we drafted a guy that maybe we thought was a running back. You're going to be the odd man out. And he kind of fought and played his way on and made himself too valuable to release. Mary Kay, I just feel like Dearness is a guy that you want on your roster. However you do it, to get Dearness Johnson on your 53-man roster, I think you have to figure out a way to get him on there, at least initially. Yeah, I mean, I think they will. I, I think they will. They they re-signed him. They gave him 900000 guaranteed. Uh, that That's not a drop in the bucket. That's something. Uh, they've, they've given him the opportunity to make up to $2.43 million. So that's not 
exorbitant that comes with playing time and hitting some incentives and things like that. So uh, he's not an expensive player. I see no reason uh, why they shouldn't keep him on the roster. And of course, anytime he's ever gone in there, uh, he's proven himself. Uh, he gets those 100 yards that you need. Uh, he gets the tough yards and, um, and you know, the truth of the matter is Nick Chubb was hurt last year. And so was Kareem hunt. And there very well could be times again, where you need dearness to be the workhorse back. I just wonder, like, how do they how do they work him in outside of injury? Is it something where he's, you know, they have the rotation between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And if you keep that situation going, do you kind of fit Dernis Johnson in there to give and he's kind of in their rotation? Maybe not every other drive, but but maybe, you know, maybe every other third down or something like that. Um, I don't know. I guess you're you're resting your guys even more. But are you, you know. Do you want Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt on the field more? I don't know. I'm just really interested to see how that's going to work. You, they, they're paying to bring him back. It doesn't seem like he's going to be the returner. So, how many snaps does he get? Yeah. So I, I, I noticed this yesterday watching practice, and they were doing kind of some walkthrough scrimmagey type stuff. I think they're going to do some different things with this running back group this year. I don't think we're going to see fullback very often. I don't think that might come up here shortly. Um, I, I don't think we're going to see the fullback position like we did in the past. Um, you know, that might be a tight end coming in motion or something like that. But I noticed a lot of two back formations this this camp, and especially yesterday. I noticed, uh, you know, Nick Chubb would be in the backfield and Kareem Hunt in the slot. Uh, De Ernest, I can't remember. I have it written down in a notebook somewhere, but I don't have that notebook on me right now. It was either De Ernest and Chubb split around Watson on one play, or it was Dearness and Hunt split around Watson on one play. I feel like we're going to see a lot of two back sets, you know, not it's all relative. It might be 20%, something like that, but I think we're going to see two back sets. And I think that opens up possibilities where you have room to play all three guys, but then there's also the Jerome Ford factor. Do, Do they decide that they would rather have Jerome Ford? Is he a better pass catcher? Does he just fit better? That might be the thing that makes Dearness the odd man out. But I do think that that they're going to do some creative and interesting things with these running backs. You know, I think so too. I really do think that this will finally be the year uh, that we do see a little bit more of Kareem and Nick on the field together. Um, But I can't help but think that if another team comes calling that the Browns would be willing to trade Dearness. I mean, I think he's got such a favorable contract and he can be uh, somebody's workhorse back if they have an injury or something happens or he can be somebody's number two. Uh, so I do think that uh, that's something to, to keep uh, an eye out for because, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems like it does seem difficult to keep all of these guys on the roster, at least initially. Now you can then farm some of them out to the practice squad and protect them there. Uh, and I'm sure that they'll probably end up doing that. Um, but I'm just wondering if that's something that, you know, isn't in the back of their minds that perhaps they could get, uh, you know, some kind of a decent pick for Dearness. Yeah, I too see him as a potential trade uh, trade guy. But I think with the absence of a fullback, they're probably going to keep four running backs. So, you know, Johnson and Ford both make the roster, I'm assuming. Um, but that would be a, a nice uh, a nice chip to have to know that you could trade Dernis Johnson and still, you know, 
not really get hurt depth wise. And as you're mentioning, Dan, when you're talking about, you know, seeing more backs and using more backs, um, I mean, Kevin Stefanski is not going to completely stray from, you know, from what he likes to do, which is a lot of running the ball and play action and things like that. Um, but I do think that the backs that are going to be playing are going to be used in, in the passing game more. I think Kareem is going to be used in the passing game a lot more this season. Um, it's a way to get him involved. It's a way to get him touches. You know, I mean, why not with Deshaun, especially if Deshaun plays, uh, I see that as being the case. And we were even seeing Nick Chubb get some passes thrown his way. So, um, so I, I just think that that's something to watch. Those guys uh, might not necessarily be just, you know, grinding it out over the 17 game season, but they will be involved. Yeah, we saw six practices, I think it was, and then the Hall of Fame practice. Hall of Fame practice doesn't really count. We didn't see a ton in that, but um, so so five real practices. And Kareem was spending time in the slot. Uh, you know, they, that that slot, that second slot receiver, which we're going to get to receivers here in just a second. That second slot receiver, that's kind of where you see your, you know, maybe Kareem Hunt. Um, that, you know, Demetric Felton is, is going to fight for that spot as well, um, whatever you consider him. So, you know, that, that's going to be an interesting position that I think they're going to be able to play around with a little bit. So let's move on to wide receivers. And here's the order you have them in Scott, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, Anthony Schwartz, Demetric Felton, Jakeem Grant, and Michael Woods, Jamarcus Bradley, Javon Wims also on this list. Michael Harley Jr. Um, looked Pretty good, smaller guy. He's fast. He's got some speed. I think he's going to be an interesting guy to keep an eye on in training camp. But when you look at the top of this list, let's just start with the rookie, David Bell. Scott, I, I think, again, and this is just based on what we saw, when you talk about a rookie in the offseason program, what more could you ask for from, from David Bell, really? Yeah, he looked good. Um, I think what we'd written about how he dropped one pass, and that was nothing that we saw. It was something that he admitted. Um, so he he's living up to his reputation as a guy who catches everything and has really great hands. Um, it's been Cooper and DPJ when they've been in two receiver formations, but um, Bell has been the slot guy. And a lot of times Felton is kind of working his way in there too. But, um, you know, I think he's going into training camp in a much better position, much more advanced position than Anthony Schwartz did last season for sure. Um, so I would expect him to, you know, to get some serious looks, especially when they get to the preseason games. And, you know, we don't know how much the first team guys are going to play, but I would imagine he's going to play quite a bit. Um, and and I'm expecting to see him in the slot. And yeah, he's, he's one of the top four guys for sure. And as we talked about yesterday uh, on the pod a little bit, the fact that they lockered him right next to Deshaun Watson, I th- think that's significant. Uh, that means that they want Deshaun taking him under his wing, coaching him up whenever he can, uh, being in that constant communication. And uh, David is asking the right questions. He's already benefiting from that. You see them talking after, after plays and after routes. So, uh, yeah, they want him coming up the learning curve very quickly. They have very high hopes for him. And it's almost like they, you know, it's almost like they are giving him sort of the Jarvis role. Uh, which is, which, you know, that's big shoes to fill. Jarvis was a five-time pro bowler, but uh, there's a lot of things that they want David to do that Jarvis did. Okay. Scott, what else stood out to you about this list? Was it Dimitrik? Yeah. And I mean, 
I, I just put him here because even <laughs> when he is in the backfield, he's he ends up, you know, by the time the ball is snapped, he's out wide somewhere in the slot. Um, the, the other thing is like where I, I'm kind of going off how they've put the roster together the last couple of years. There's no guarantee that they're going to have six receivers again, but I'm kind of just using that as as a template. And, you know, I look at guys like a guy like Michael Woods, and I wonder if he makes this roster out of camp or if he's one of the guys who's cut and brought back on the practice squad, because I'm not sure who you knock out of those top six guys. And I'm including Jakeem Grant in there who we're all expecting to be the main, uh, main return guy. We haven't seen a lot of him in team drills, um, but you know, he's a receiver. That's where he's going to be put on the roster. Um, so I'm not sure where or how Woods gets in there. Yeah, the thing about Woods, I remember uh, hearing that they were all excited about um, Woods and he was somebody that they were really intrigued by and that they, uh, you know, that they wanted to, you know, when they asked around about who was sort of like a late round guy that they might really be intrigued or want to put on the roster, he was like almost a unanimous choice. So um, I I think somehow they're going to try to protect him. I don't know if they can can squeeze him onto the 53 right off the bat. Uh, I don't know about that. But once again, you know, these draft picks, especially those late round gems, I know they really love to make their money uh, by finding those kind of guys. Don't know how it's going to happen, but but they have seen something in him that they really like. Yeah, I, th- I think they're they're going to be hesitant to move on from draft pick. But at some point, it does have to come down to like, Hey, this guy was just better. You know, so it's the D, it's the Dearness De- argument, right? Like he wasn't their draft pick. He was a guy that was here in 2019. Stump Mitchell kind of pounded the table to keep him then and keep him after the coaching change, all of that. At some point, a guy just has to, it's it's got to come down to performance on the field. And and this roster is starting to it's starting to get to that point where you've drafted so many guys, at some point there probably has to be somebody that's gonna be the odd man out. And they might just have to to suck it up and try and, and squeeze him through to the practice squad if possible. Uh, tight end fullback, top of the position, pretty clear. David Njoku and Harrison Bryant. Uh, then you've got Miller Forrestal, Johnny Stanton, Nakia Griffin-Stewart, Zaire Mitchell-Payton, and Marcus Santos-Silva. And Scott, I know you need all three of those players to make the roster because you've already come up with a nickname for that group. <laughs> I do. I do. They're the dash bros. Uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that one day they are the top three tight ends on the team. So we can just, you know, make that into a t-shirt, but until then, you know, they're, they're <laughs> kind of stuck. Uh, they, at this point, I think are, are practice squad candidates. And this is, this position group could be a way that you get that extra receiver on the roster. Cause at maybe they, you know, they, maybe they don't keep three. I think the first year Stefanski was here, there were four tight ends uh, on the initial roster, um, and last season it was the three guys and, um, there was an injury in there as well. So maybe that's where, where they, they find a, a spot open. Um, because from what we've seen during the off season, a lot of two tight end stuff, not necessarily a lot of three tight end stuff. And they even talked about how that might not end up defining them the way it has the last couple of years. And, you know, I was thinking about this too. Um, that's what we have all seen. That's what we expect. That's what we've noticed. I wonder if that changes or shifts in the event that Deshaun Watson is out for the season. If he's out for the season, do you go back to your, 
you know, more jumbo-y heavy type of offense with more 13 personnel, with more three tight ends, with running the ball a lot more, with more Nick Chubb, more Kareem Hunt. You know, if it, I wonder if they pivot uh, back to more of the 2021 look in the event that Deshaun is out for the year. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And again, that's something that, that they would know before camp. They would certainly know before the roster is, is set. Um, so that, I guess that would just be one more little bit of fallout is like this brand new offense that you've been working and designing. All of a sudden, you've got to go back on it because the quarterback you thought you had isn't going to be there. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. All right. And I mean, you know, that's one of the reasons why they signed Jacoby Brissett is because they could have uh, more of a, a matching skill set, not skill level, but skill set so that they could do the things that they want to do. Uh, but, you know, nobody is Deshaun. So you might just have to, you know, go with what works for you. As far as 13 personnel goes, yes, they have run it a lot, but it's not like they have an overwhelming like success rate. It's not like they're really great at, at getting successful plays out of it. Um especially when they run, they're right about 50%, um, right about 51% last season when they, when they pass out of it. And I know in 2020, even though they ran it a ton, it wasn't, uh, they weren't the most successful at it. So, you know, it makes, I think it would make more sense to kind of stay away from it and maybe try something different um, than to kind of fall back into that. uh, If, if Watson's out of the fold. All right. Offensive line is, pretty straightforward i don't know if we need to spend a ton of time on it i think i, I would just ask it seems pretty certain that nick harris is the guy there that you know this this is going to sort of feel like the wyatt teller thing a couple years ago where we talked so much about right guard and like oh okay it was just wyatt teller this feels a lot like you know we might talk about center but eh, it's it's going to be nick harris we're not going to talk about center <laughs> We'll talk a little bit about center. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll talk about center if the center isn't J.C. Treader, you know, isn't as good as J.C. Treader was because yeah. uh, it's a position where you don't appreciate it until uh, until you have some issues. So they're excited about Nick Harris and they feel that he can fill the big shoes uh, left by J.C. Treader. But, you know, we'll see. You know, he's he's got a you know, he's got a, a tall task ahead of him and uh the good thing for him is that he is surrounded by two excellent, excellent guards. That'll help him a lot. Uh, I think the positions of concern more so are the tackles. Uh, you know, Jack Conklin still needs to come back strong from, from his surgery, and he had other injuries last year. So they have to hope that he's going to be okay. And then Jed Wills. I mean, everybody has to see how Jed Wills is going to come back from, from his sort of off year a little bit. He looks a little bit lighter to me have you guys sort of noticed that at all with Jed he just seems a little leaner so I don't know if that's part of the program or not I I haven't I didn't really get good looks at Jed but um I'll, I mean I'll, I'll I'll take your word for it because I, I just didn't really get to to see him I don't know I just didn't really get great looks at him yeah and we I never asked about it um but it's something to something to ask about you know maybe they feel like uh, you know, that, that, that was going to help him do what he needs to do this year. So we'll, we'll see if, if I'm on the right track with that or not. I think having Chris Hubbard handle right tackle with the first team, it, you know, that's going to be an important swing guy to have back in the fold. That's one of the reasons those tackle injuries were so devastating last season is because they didn't have uh decent experience to, to plug in there. So that, that should probably change this season. 
Okay, let's take a break here and then we'll move to the defensive side of the football. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, going through the Browns roster. Again, we're working off of Scott's piece at cleveland.com slash Browns. Uh, defensive end, again, top of the position, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney. Uh, you feel good about that. Who's this year's Tack McKinley? Is it Chase? Alex Wright. Alex Wright? Alex Wright. I think. I think it's Alex Wright. I think they are so excited about this guy. I, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, he, he looks the part too, doesn't he? I mean, even just he's when you big. see him, right? He's a he's a big <laughs> guy, and he's got an opportunity to get bigger, uh, and and he's got a lot of good physical traits, and uh, and I think they're going to want to see what he can do in there. But I mean, Chase Chase will get his chances too. But I I think they want to turn Alex Wright into something in a hurry. I think that's where I'm leaning, um, that that he would be tack, and then whatever you get from Chase is like kind of okay, cool. That you know, we didn't give up much to get him, and. He's, you know, he's coming in and, and giving us production. Yeah. But I think it's clear that those two, Winovich and Wright, are, they're, they're three and four here. They're, I mean, Garrett Clowney, Winovich, right. Those are your four main rotating uh, defensive ends. And like Weatherly and Rochelle, two guys who have experience. Um, I'm not sure where Isaiah Thomas fits in at this point. He might be another candidate to, to be the first draft pick to not make the 53 for, uh, for Andrew Barry, we'll have to see, but obviously there's not a ton of position or a ton of spots to go around there uh, at defensive end. Is he the I, seventh round pick? He was sixth. Uh, yeah. He no, was, Woods was. I can't. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up there. I, I think. Um, I think Isaiah Thomas. If if we had to choose between those two, I think Isaiah Thomas would be more likely to make the roster. Yeah, he was. Him and Deaton were seventh. Seventh but they were, were they six. were they Andrew Berry's first seventh round picks? Yes, because he hates seventh round. You're right. <laughs> like does, they were the first players to make he took up. in the seventh round. Yeah. So, you know, so if those guys didn't make it for some reason, I, I don't think that it would be catastrophic. Um, but of course, you want to give them a chance. But I don't think I don't think they view them in the same way that maybe they did Donovan Peoples Jones or or Michael Woods. All right, or, defense, Dim- or Dimitri. Right. Defensive tackle. Uh Jordan Elliott, the forgotten man, Taven Bryan. And we've got Perry on Winfrey, Tommy Togiai, Sheldon Day, uh, Glenn Logan, Roderick Perry the second. Uh Taven, Taven and Jordan were the starters. Scott, you have them one and two on this list. Um, how realistic though is it that Perry and Winfrey in training camp had a pretty quiet? Uh, off-season program, Mary Kay, you've indicated maybe that was by design. <laughs> um, but, I mean, how realistic is it that Perry on Winfrey could maybe force his way into that starting lineup pretty early on? Well, he's going to have to have a good camp. He's going to have to have a good camp because it's clear that they're going to make him earn it. And, um, you know, every time we looked out there with the first team, it was Taven Bryan and it was Jordan Elliott. And I was a little surprised about that because I kind of thought they would uh, plug Perry on Winfrey in here and in there and just let him go and see what he could do. But it's not going to be like that. They're going to make him come up that learning curve. They're going to make him show uh, that he can handle the spot, but they like him enough. They like uh, the fact that he can rush the passer from the inside. They like his explosiveness. Uh, So I think ultimately he will work his way in there. If not to start, he'll be a key part of the rotation. And I'm not sure how you even make that move if you're a lineman on either side of the ball during OTAs and minicamp when 
you know, it's largely guys in shorts and sometimes you're not even in helmets. You're not even in shells. So uh, yeah, I think definitely camp is where he would have to make that kind of move once they really start putting the pads on and having some real practices where they're, <laughs> where it's as close to live action, you know, as you're going to get uh, without tackling. Um, that's yeah, that's the only way I think uh, he's, when, when I was paying attention to the line, he would kind of rotate between, he would stay out there with Sheldon day um, a lot. And uh, so I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if that means he's, he's maybe below Tommy Togiai or they just want to give him more reps. You know, I guess that'll shake out once, once we get the camp, but it definitely does seem like four guys or five guys trying to get four spots here. Yeah, there's sort of the the Malik McDowell factor here. Right? I don't think any of us knew exactly what Malik McDowell was going to be when the Browns brought him in. And, and then he shows up to camp and he's just this enormous human being who just is super athletic. They move him all over the place. And, and you know, he makes obviously he didn't grade out great, but he was a guy that could make a play or two here and there. And, you know, I I can kind of envision we show up to camp and Perry and Winfrey is just chasing around the quarterback all camp. And then he has a, like two preseason games and has like four sacks in the preseason, something like that. Um, you know, I, I think there's a scenario where Perry really kind of pushes. There's also a scenario where he just looks like a rookie and he looks like a fourth round pick and he needs a little time, but mm-hmm. um, that is really one of the, I, I don't know if this is good or bad. That's one of the key position battles that we'll be keeping an eye on uh, when we get to camp is the interior yeah. of the defensive line. I was uh, going to say real quick about him. He does have the one characteristic that I think they seem to value with that position. And that is pass rush, maybe more so than run defense. Um, Malik McDowell um, and Malik Jackson, both um, their strengths were getting after the quarterback. Um, that's definitely what Winfrey can do well. Okay, linebacker. Uh, so here's the order. You've got him in Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, Jacob Phillips, Anthony Walker, Sione Takitaki, Tony Fields, Willie Harvey, and then Silas Kelly on here as an undrafted free agent. Um, Jacob Phillips, I guess the, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but he was doing a lot of work as the first team Mike linebacker. Um, seems like maybe they're headed that way. If that's what they want to do, use a little bit of Anthony Walker's flexibility to keep him on the field. Uh, but Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, I just continue to like, I, I can't pump the brakes on this. I'm just continually excited to see exactly what he's going to look like in, in year two and exactly how they're going to use him. Because I think there's a world where he plays almost every snap on defense and he is just a wrecking ball out there. Um, and, he, and he's just the guy that they thought was a first round talent. I mean, teams say that all the time. I really think they believe that about Jeremiah Wusukoromo. We're going to see a guy that looks like they believe was a first round talent this year, just unleashed. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And that, and that is why uh, when we talked about which rookies might make, which second year player might make the biggest impact, uh, I, I think it's going to be him. I do think it's going to be him uh, because I think Joe Woods is ready to unleash him. I think he's ready to let him do all the different things that he can do. And I think that all of that knowledge has, has kind of gone in. I think he's got muscle memory. I think he knows the defense now. I think he knows where he fits. Uh, I think he understands what's happening around him. Uh, so I, yeah, I do think that, uh, that they have really, really high hopes for him and that he's going to have a really nice season. Uh, I, want, I wonder if we've seen so much of Phillips in there with him 
is more like the more I think about it, is it just like a situational thing in that it's been such a passing camp. They've done so much seven on sevens and it's clear they want to have like Phillips is a guy very you know quick, quicker than, than Anthony Walker um, that they want out there with JOK to have kind of that duo. Um, and then also to get him kind of maybe up to speed because he did miss, you know, a lot of time last year uh, because we have seen Anthony Walker out there in full team drills in the middle, you know, with JOK and Taki Taki next to him. That's that'll be interesting to watch when training camp does start. If that's if that's the trio, um, and if this was more about getting Phillips up to speed, or or maybe it's let's get him ready because we want him to take that position. It's it just seems still kind of up in the air. All right, cornerback again, another fairly stable position. We saw Denzel Ward leave practice uh, in, in the final in the final day of the offseason program, uh, but it doesn't seem to be too there doesn't seem to be too much concern there. Uh, about anything long-term with Denzel third corner, I guess is, is kind of the question here. So Scott, after Denzel and Greg Newsom, you've got Martin Emerson, Greedy Williams, AJ green. Uh, and then there's Her- uh, Herb Miller, Parnell Motley, Reggie Robinson, and the undrafted free agent, Sean Jolly. Mm. Um, Martin Emerson and Greedy Williams, Scott, is that, I mean, is that kind of the battle to watch here? Yeah. And now I'm looking at that. I probably should have had that flipped. Um, but uh yeah, I would think that's that's the spot where Emerson's probably targeting to to get more playing time. But it, I mean, at this point, we've seen him out there with the second team uh, with AJ Green and Emerson would be on the outside. Uh, but that seems like the spot if if you're him, and, and that's a spot he's kind of moved into when there when guys haven't been out there. Um, so yeah, that seems to be the target area for now. The thing about cornerbacks is that they're all going to get playing time. You know, I mean, they, they are going to need them all. And uh, especially over a 17 game season and with all the three wides and four wides and everything at, and with the injuries, um, I think that um, I think they will all make a significant impact. I do think that that Martin Emerson has a chance to, you know, to really contribute as a rookie. I mean, again, we've said it so many times. He really looks the part. The moment doesn't look too big for him when he's out there. He looks ready to go. He has covered SEC receivers. If you can do that, you can handle some of the best in the NFL. And, uh, and, and I think he'll get his opportunities right away. But I think also that Greedy Williams showed last year that he can get the job done. And he was struggling, struggling through uh, his shoulder injury last year. So hopefully uh, that won't be as bad this year and he'll be a little further along. They'll need all these guys. All right, at safety, uh, you know, just again, this defense is so set at the, for, for the most part. John Johnson, Grant Delpit uh, appears to be your starting duo. Uh, then you've got Ronnie Harrison, Richard LeCount, Nate Meters, Luther Kirk, and the undrafted free agent, D. Anthony Bell. Um, I, I don't know a good question for this, so I'll just say this. <laughs> Are, is this going to be Richard LeCount's year? Is Richard LeCount going to push for playing time this year? <laughs> I, I feel like uh, that's kind of Ronnie's spot to lose he was sort of hanging out there in free agency and then they decided to bring him back which i think tells me something about how they want that position to look but you know i don't know richard LeCount, five-star guy was at georgia kind of feel like they got a steal there maybe maybe he competes and, and wins that job yeah i mean he has to take that big step up that that rookies are expected to take 
in their second year. Um, but, uh, you know, the opportunity is there and they love safeties on this team. They love their defensive backs. They love guys that can do a lot of things. He might be able to make his mark a little bit more on special teams and show there that he can do some things. Uh, can he tackle? Well, that's, that's a huge thing for them. Uh, he does seem to have a knack for the football, a little bit of a nose for the football. And they're always looking for that. I mean, if he can demonstrate that he can get his hands on some footballs, in um, in training camp and and punch some balls out, grab some interceptions. Uh, that's where he can make his his hay in camp, and then he'll get himself on the field. I mean, I noticed Ronnie Harrison more than I did LeCount coming in with the starter or the first team, but it was Harrison and LeCount on the second team. Um, I'm sure Richard LeCount was paying attention to MJ Stewart and saw his rise and and going on and signing a new contract somewhere. So you know. If it doesn't happen here, it can happen somewhere else. And you just got to be ready for the opportunity. And if Ronnie Harrison falters the way he did last season, that, you know, that's your opportunity right there. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I'm curious. Ronnie's been a guy that I, I think we all really liked him after that first year. I think after that second year, I was like, eh, what exactly is going on here? And now you're, you're three of the Ronnie Harrison experience. Uh, this is kind of his chance to, to kind of write the ship and, and maybe get himself a decent little payday somewhere uh, after this season. Uh, specialist, pretty straightforward as well. We saw Cade York absolutely drill a 50-yard field goal at First Energy Stadium on Thursday. And that's really the best news out of all of this. We've seen the kicker kick, and there's no concern there right now. Obviously, none of it counts. It hasn't been in real games crowd rush but you know the worst case scenario was show up and watch Cade York kick and have him send like four out of six kicks just wide yeah so you know, we didn't we did not see that <laughs> the competition will be fierce but I do think that he will ultimately become a, a pro bowl kicker he's so impressive uh, in the practices that we have seen I mean my goodness uh, he really does have that big booming leg and I think the fact that he is going to be able to do kickoffs will help immensely and uh, it's just a, a settled position now, which is what they really need. Oh, buddy, we've got a punter battle. <laughs> Can't wait. Ashley's well, we've not, always dreamed of. <laughs> Ashley's not on the pod right now, so I'm just doing it. I'm just going to assign her punter battle coverage. She has to cover every single day of the punter battle. since She's not here to defend herself or turn down the opportunity that we're putting out there for her uh so look we'll cover that at cleveland.com slash browns we'll have full coverage of everything that goes down here over the next month and a half uh training camp opens on july 27th it's going to get here before you know it of course uh and we'll cover everything between now and then and of course in training camp make sure you're subscribed to this podcast uh subscribe rate and review on apple podcasts and spotify and of course become a football insider subscriber cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page if you've been thinking about doing it get on board like i said training camp that's when it really uh you'll want to get all that stuff that we have to offer to our football insider subscribers uh, scott and mary Kay, i'll talk to you later